Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 177 of Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. And we are heading into part four of our four part series all about somatic exercise. So stay tuned for that right after this. Hi, and welcome to Self Kind with me, Erica Webb. This is a podcast about what it means to be, live, and move through a lens of self kindness. We'll look at the ways self-kindness can underpin our practices in movement, mindfulness and mindset to support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's get into the show. So hello, my friends. As mentioned, we are diving into part four of a four-part series all about somatic exercise. And today is going to be... um, Oh, how will we describe it? It's not going to be so much the sort of nitty gritty of like how to do somatic exercise, um, but we're going to talk more about some of the kind of like benefits that I see around the edges, um, including how it helps us to kind of extract ourselves from sort of more toxic fitness and wellness culture, how it allows us to meet ourselves where we need to be met and encourages us to slow down when that is needed. But before we dive into that, um, I wanted to just comment on the fact that I am recording and releasing this podcast episode later than usual. So um, I have a little bit of a, a way that I do things and I normally record podcasts on Tuesday and release them on Thursday. And as I'm sitting here, it's Friday and I'm recording and going to release it all on the same day. And I only tell you this for one reason, because I'm sure that, you know, most of you are not sitting there twiddling your thumbs thinking, when is the next episode coming out? Although if you do, that is wonderful and exciting. Um, But I tell you this because this is probably the first time in, oh gosh, I've been running this podcast for, it'll be coming up towards three years. Uh, probably the first time that I have missed an episode uh, or done it late. It might have happened once or twice before, but like really very, very rarely. And it's a very good example of how we balance out sort of self-integrity and meeting ourselves where we need to be met. So I thought before we dive into the sort of the, the purpose of this podcast, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think it's a really good example of how we navigate those competing ideas perhaps or, or potentially competing ideas in real time because there's a lot to be said for self-integrity, for doing the things that we say we're going to do, for having the uh, the processes, I suppose, in place or the structure in place that allows us to show up for the things that we say we want and the things that are important to us in a really um, – you know, habitual sort of way. So this is where, you know, having the workout um, or the yoga class or the session at the gym planned in our diary and sort of just knowing that, you know, on this day at this time, this is what I do. This is why we hear so much talk around habit building and behavior change, because we as humans tend to need some sort of structure or a lot of us do well with structure um, because it allows us to do things. It's sort of like, you know, you're so well versed in brushing your teeth before you go to bed or when you wake up or both um, that you don't even think about it, right? It just becomes a part of what you do. And, you know, it's very low effort. Even on the days you're like, ah, I don't feel like doing this. Why do I have to floss again? Um, It's still part of your routine and you tend to just go about the process. And so, you know, my podcast is much the same. I just go about the process because I know when I do things and how I do things. And I love it. So there's this, you know, 
this piece of like when we're trying to do something um, for our own self-care, there is absolutely value in looking for ways to build it into our habits. There's absolutely value in finding ways to hold ourselves lovingly to account. There's absolutely value to, you know, building on this idea of self-integrity and showing up in the ways that we say we're going to. The nuance there, though, is that life isn't that tidy a lot of the time. And all of our best laid plans can sometimes lead us to these situations where it's like, I actually can't show up for what I said in a way that feels aligned with how I want to feel. Um, And so something has to give. Either I have to not show up for the thing, whether it be movement, recording a podcast, anything else, or I have to show up for it in a way that pulls me away from from how I actually want to feel. So again, there's like a little bit of a disconnect there because you probably want to feel an integrity, right? We want to feel like we are aligned with our integrity. And you also probably don't want to feel guilt, shame, punishment, and like you're kind of um, losing yourself in the process of simply trying to stay integral, right? So there's this uncomfortable potentially situation where we have to hold, you know, the possibility of multiple things being true at the same time. And that is where I think it gets really tricky to navigate this idea of like listening to ourselves, of understanding where it is we are and how we can best meet ourselves in that moment. So if we continue on with this example of, you know, the podcast, I actually don't even remember what I was doing on Tuesday. I think it was just a day where I had a lot of admin stuff that I needed to catch up on and the day just sort of disappeared. And then my my options were that I either recorded the podcast quite late at night, which I've done before and, and sometimes feels perfectly fine, um, or I left it. But I knew that if I left it, I was leaving it for a good couple of days because the, the following days were completely booked up. So the way that I kind of like, uh, approach that is I feel into how I'm actually feeling. And I sort of check like, which one is the more aligned choice at this point for me showing up like clockwork on the podcast is actually incredibly important to me. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it for the past three years. Right. And I also know that, um, that structure allows me to keep it at a point of importance in my um, work life that allows it just to be pretty easy. So that integrity piece was really important to me, but I also knew that it felt punishing. Like when I actually just checked in with myself, it felt punishing to stay up when I was exhausted and to record a podcast that would have been less than what I wanted it to be because I just, my brain just wasn't in that space. Um, it didn't feel like I would get, I would win in that scenario, right? Like it just felt like this isn't going to have the outcome that I want. Other than there being a, a podcast to go out on Thursday, the the overall outcome just wasn't what I wanted. It didn't feel good, and that I think is a really important thing to recognize is that it it's not it wasn't even a thinking process for me. For some people, it absolutely would be, but for me, I'm I'm much more of a felt sense sort of person. So I had to sort of check in and notice how did it actually feel in my body. Um, But when we talk about, you know, meeting ourselves where we're at, which is what one of the things that we're going to talk about in the episode today, 
there is no like one answer that will cover you off for every scenario because I've been faced with this situation before and I've stayed up late to record the podcast and that's been the best decision for me in that moment. And so, you know, we love formulas, we love structure, we love just, you know, first A and then B and then you're going to get to Z eventually. We love that sort of structure and and it's harder perhaps to take personal responsibility for making choices that are not so clear cut. So I just wanted to share that because I think as we're sort of approaching like, what kind of movement do I need today? How does my body feel? Um, is my plan to do that yoga class actually the thing that's going to meet me? Or, you know, I was planning to run today, but, you know, does that still actually meet me where I need to be met? We are always doing this this dance between staying in integrity and sometimes doing things that feel hard knowing that they're still with our best, um, our best in mind, right? They still hold our best um, outcomes kind of at their heart versus just doing what we said we'd do because we said we'd do it regardless of, of current circumstances. And it requires us to be paying attention. It requires us to be being honest with ourselves and it requires us to be willing to like just try something and to to have a bit more trust in our ability to choose and to make those choices. And it's absolutely a process, <laughs> absolutely a process. Um, I've been doing this for, for so many years and it still doesn't always feel easy, but it definitely feels easier. Yeah. All right. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, I want to move on to what I wanted to talk about today. And that is sort of some peripheral benefits, I guess, of somatic exercise. Um, At the time of recording this, I am not long off a one-on-one session with a client. And in that session, we did very, very gentle, low to the ground, minimal amounts of movement, somatic exercise. And it was 100% how that person needed to be met at that point. And that wasn't just my assessment, that was, you know, self-assessed as well. Um, but doing that can be really hard, both as a practitioner and as a move, you know, as the person moving, because we are 100% conditioned to constantly be seeking out the most, right? High levels of sensation, high levels of effort, um, huge, you know, outcomes that are visible. And so doing less can actually be challenging. And so I want to talk a little bit about how somatic exercise can kind of help us to break down some of that more toxic messaging that we've received that like only the most will ever do. um, And how, you know, it invites us to slow down when that is what's needed. I think the risk when we talk about sort of mindful movement and slow movement and all of this sort of stuff is that people hear it as a uh, like um, a demonizing of other forms of movement, which is when I'm talking about it, absolutely not true. Um, you know, I, I love running around the basketball court and getting my, my heart rate up. I love going for walks. I love lifting weights. I love doing all of those things. So it's never about demonizing another form of movement, but it's recognizing that different forms of movement hold different possibilities for us and different ways of meeting ourselves. And for most of us, we are so, you know, raised in this sort of toxic 
fitness and wellness culture that infuses all the messages that we receive about movement in our bodies, that it can be really hard to see that there's any value in movement outside of shrinking, shredding, you know, atoning, right? It, it's so wrapped up in these ideas. And so I I feel like, and actually the other day I ran um, the self-kind body-mind uh, workshop online, which you can actually still access the recording of. So if you didn't sign up for that or you didn't didn't join me live, um, if you head to ericaweb.com.au forward slash free workshop, you can grab the, the replay there. Um, and one of the questions that got asked in one of those sessions was, can somatics, because it was about somatic exercise and self-kindness, and the question was, can somatic exercise um, help with the self-kindness piece? And, and my answer is yes, it absolutely can, because when we allow ourselves to move slowly and when we allow ourselves to embody our soma, that idea that we can experience ourselves from the inside out and have access to all this information that nobody else has access to, I think that when we get in touch with that, we, if we choose to, we can bring so much more compassion to our experiences because we're aware of them. We're aware of how, you know, potentially what we're thinking affects how we're moving or how we're moving affects how we feel. Um, All of these things can become slightly more apparent and slightly more conscious because we're paying attention and we're, we're being curious and we're experiencing ourselves through this lens of, you know, choosing to believe that we are our own ally, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the right word there. We're our own ally. We are um, trusting or at least developing trust in our body. So I think that it allows us to explore with more clarity this idea of meeting ourselves where we're at, because we can only really do that if we're paying attention. Otherwise, we're really just meeting ourselves the way that we think we should be met in a more intellectual capacity. So, you know, once we start to notice what does this feeling in my body kind of ask for from me? We're better able to meet ourselves without the guilt that comes with, oh, but that wasn't enough, right? Or that that doesn't seem like enough in um, terms of the standards that we've been shown. So, so often when people come to work with me, they are in that all or nothing mindset, right? It has to be an hour or it doesn't count. I have to sweat or it doesn't count. Um, or I've, I've been doing, I haven't been doing anything because I, I just don't know where to start and it doesn't seem like enough and I'm exhausted and, you know, I haven't got the energy to go and do the class. And it's like what what we, I think, all need is really just that capacity to actually um, tune in and notice, like, actually what meets me where I need to be met. Some days it is going to be the thing that's challenging, in a physical sense. Sometimes it's going to be the thing that's challenging because it's asking us to do so much less. I mean, what does it feel like to think that perhaps what you need in this moment is to lay down and take 10 slow breaths and that that could be enough in this moment to be, you know, to be a movement that meets you where you are? Does that mean that's the only thing you're ever going to do or ever want to do or ever feel the need to do for a lifetime? No, but it recognizes that our needs are not static and 
yes, we can take some sort of, you know, intellectual thought into this and sort of make some plans and, and carve out time and choose um, programs and, and things that suit what we kind of get the general sense that we need. But then we do need to be able to check in with ourselves and be like, does this still meet me today where I need to be met? Do I need to adjust the effort that I'm putting into this to either be more or less depending on my, um, you know, how I'm feeling in my body? So I think that it really helps us to develop that self-trust, that curiosity and that compassion because we're experiencing ourselves in our full humanness, in our full uh, somatic experience from the inside out, not pushing away any parts of our humanity, but actually inviting it to the process to help inform what it is that we choose to do. There's a lot of talk around this idea of resting at the moment as well and how hard many of us find it to rest. And I will put my hand up to say that I actually find resting incredibly hard in the sense that I don't really like napping, for instance, right? Like I don't enjoy just lying down in the middle of the day and having a nap. I've never been a napper. You can ask my parents. And, you know, while there may be value in that activity, what has been more useful for me is to not fight my natural aversion to that, but to sort of find other ways that I can rest that feel like they meet me where I need to be met. Because, and, th- and that's what somatic exercise does for me, at, amongst many other things, right? But it invites me to slow down. I find that slow, mindful movement so restful, so meditative. Is it as restful as lying completely still, maybe falling asleep or doing like a a full sort of relaxation? I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that. But it allows me to slow down, to pay attention and to rest, to, to, to be more restful in my movement. And I think that that art of doing less for some of us where there is that desire to always be doing the most, to always be achieving, to always be supporting other people, all those things, right? That that if you are that, that way inclined, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, sometimes, you know, including a level of movement in that rest and that mindfulness can meet us more clearly where we need to be met because it's a big ask to say, you know, you are averse to rest and pausing and stopping, but now, but now you just need to stop, hard stop, right? Just completely stop. There's going to be a lot of resistance to that because it is so counter to, to how, how you might currently be operating. And so that's where, and I, I know I had a lot of conversations about this with a friend um, who I did my initial yoga teacher training with. We would talk about this often that, you know, we both found meditating and sitting completely still really, really challenging. Um, and but the, but the mental effects of, you know, the mindful movement, we both experienced to be rather akin to meditation. And you know, I think it's, it comes back to this, and I do both now. I, I do actually sit to meditate um, and I use mindful movement as a meditative practice and a, and a physical practice. Um, but I think really giving ourselves permission to be met where we need to be met. And we get to decide what that means. We get to have, you know, the control over that scenario and be like, you know what, this doesn't feel good to me or this does feel good to me and I'm choosing for this to be enough today and in this moment to meet me where I need to be met. 
because toxic sort of fitness culture will tell us that there are certain um you know, hurdles we have to jump in order for it to count and in order for it to be enough. And, you know, how is that not going to sort of almost stop us before we begin when we're not in that, you know, moment of excited motivation, which we all experience every now and then, but rarely are we sustained by it. And so this comes back to this idea that um, I've shared before that, you know, self-kindness or the desire to meet ourselves Um, where we need to be met, working towards how we want to feel and how um, we want to be able to function is such a better long-term motivator than the sort of whimsical idea of motivation that we tend to walk around with, that it's just going to fall out of the sky and we're going to feel compelled to do all the things that we said we ever wanted to do, Um, which would be lovely if that's how it worked, but it just doesn't. so I think that somatic exercise, yes, it's 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 a modality of movement. It's a modality of mindful movement. But I think the impacts can be pretty profound, both in a physical, you know, way and in the way that we relate to ourselves, because it gives us that space to be present to how we feel. It gives us that space to recognize that actually we can have a huge impact on how we feel. We can have a huge impact on shifting tensions, shifting pain, shifting discomfort, um, getting more comfortable with our ability to trust ourselves, to trust our body, to trust that inner uh, experience of our soma. Does that mean that we will never need help or support or external guidance? No, I don't think so. Um, But it is definitely worth, you know, exploring how do I build up my self-trust? How do I build up that connection with myself that allows me to be present to what is true for me and allows me to kind of like open my arms to and embrace my whole human self um, rather than pushing those parts of me away and trying to, you know, yeah, torture them with, with, um, with toxic fitness culture. So a little bit of a less, uh, structured sort of thinking in terms of this episode compared to, you know, talking about some of the more, um, tangible elements of somatic exercise in terms of like pandiculation and the soma and, um, kind of like shifting habitual patterns and all of that sort of stuff. If you haven't gone back and listened to episodes one, two, and three, which is actually not one, two, and three at all, um, they're episodes 173, 174, and 176. They're the first three parts of this series. Um, So if you haven't listened to those, you know, go back and listen to those as well because they kind of give you the nuts and bolts of somatic exercise. Um, we could go down so – we like we could talk about somatic exercise every week for the rest of the year probably and still have more to talk about. But um, I wanted to put these four episodes together as a way of, um, I guess, distilling or exploring some of the, the main ways that I see this having benefited um, me physically, emotionally, and that of the people that I work with as well. Um 
And I, and yeah, I was going to say something else, but you know what? I'm going to save it for another podcast episode because this one has gone a little longer than intended, but hopefully um, those sort of ways of looking at how a mindful movement practice and specifically somatic exercise can help us to start to build that self-trust and to, to, to really start to embody that self-compassion and kindness. Hopefully that is helpful. And as I said, if you haven't yet experienced it for yourself or signed up to, you, you know, you didn't join me for that that workshop, um, Self-Kind Body Mind, Somatic Exercise and Self-Kindness for Aches, Pain and Tension. Not really very catchy, but explains what it was about. Um, you can go and access the replay of that really easily just by heading to ericaweb.com.au forward slash free workshop. Um, and I will deliver that straight to your inbox. Um, it is 90 minutes long. You can absolutely watch it in, in chunks. Um, you don't have to watch the whole thing all at once. Of course, nobody's going to be, um, (laughs) policing that. Um, but there is a, uh, an explanation of what somatic exercise and self-kindness are and why they can be so valuable or how, how you how they can be so valuable um, as well as a physical practice um, that I take you through uh, to sort of feel that in your body. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, worth also mentioning that at the moment, the free seven day trial for the self-kind hub is still running. It's not going to run for much longer though. It's probably only going to run till the middle of November. Originally I was going to cut it off at the end of October. It was sort of like a trial thing. Um, I don't know if I will bring it back because I, I'm not 100% sure that it aligns with the way that I want to run things, if I'm being completely honest. Um, But I do really want to give you a chance to, you know, see in behind the scenes and give it a try for free with absolutely no commitment um, before I sort of turn that deal off for a little while. So if you have been thinking about joining me inside the Self-Kind Hub um, and you haven't yet tried it, seven day free trial, um, anytime if you've never signed up to the hub before. So it's only for completely new members. Um, you will have that seven days applied at the checkout. So it will still ask you to enter all your details. You won't be charged though until after those seven days. So set a little reminder in your calendar or, you know, however you want to do it to kind of check in and notice, do I want to cancel this before the seven days are up? Um, otherwise you will be charged on that, that day. So Give it a try if you've been thinking about it. Um, the doors will stay open, but this the that opportunity for the free seven-day trial will, will go away. So, um, yeah, and if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, if you have anything where you're like, Erica, you, you, I think you thought you were clearer on that explanation than you were, come and find me and um, start a conversation. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you've got questions, takeaways, experiences to share. You can come and find me over on Instagram. I'm at web underscore selfkind. Um, I'll pop that link in the show notes as well, and you can come over and find me on my website, ericaweb.com.au. All right. Until next time, friends, I hope you have a self-kind filled week and I will look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Self-Kind. If you loved it, why not share it? And while you're there, take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love you to come hang out with me more too. You'll find me over on Instagram at ericaweb underscore self-kind you can sign up for my e-newsletter by heading to my website, ericaweb.com.au. While you're there, you can also read up more about the Self-Kind Hub and other ways of working with me. Until next time, keep being kind to yourself. Bye.